Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CircuitPython Weekly for June 1st, 2020. This is the time of the week that we get together and talk about all things CircuitPython and also Python related, um, as well as sometimes random unrelated things. Uh, this meeting is held once a week, uh, typically on Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. We hold it on the Adafruit Discord, which is, uh, you can join at adafru.it slash discord. Um, I'm Katni, and I am sponsored by Adafruit to work on CircuitPython. Um, if you join up on the Discord, you can check out the CircuitPython channel for any kind of notice of changes to the meeting, um, as, well as, uh, as well as any, um, major announcements uh we uh put all those in that chat you can also request to be added to the circuit pythonistas role we tag that role with um meeting updates and also uh we have in the past tagged that role if we manage to really really break circuit python uh, to let everybody know to update um circuit python development is sponsored by adafruit so please support them by purchasing hardware from adafruit.com this meeting is recorded. Uh, we record both the voice chat and the CircuitPython um, text chat. Uh, it is put up on YouTube and it is available, made available as a podcast. If you are not interested in being recorded, you can opt to be text only. And we have a notes document that goes with the meeting, um, which will have timestamps in it. Uh, so if you want to read through meeting notes instead of watching it that is an option and you can also scrub to a spot that you want to listen to specifically but if you are text only you can add your notes to the text document and i will read them off as we get to them and that way you don't have to be recorded or if you don't have a mic that kind of thing um, just let us know so we can do that this meeting is run in five parts the first part is community news, which is an overview of the what's going on with Python on hardware in the community, um, as well as other things. Um, it's sort of a quick preview of our Python for Microcontrollers newsletter. The second part is State of Circuit Python, Libraries, and Blinka. This is a statistical overview of the project by the numbers to give us an idea of the health of the project and where the project is at. Uh, outside of what it is we're actually doing. Uh, it is divided up into three parts where, or four, where we talk about it overall, and then we'll talk about the core, the libraries, and Blinka separately. The third part of the meeting is Hug Reports. Hug Reports is an opportunity to give a shout out to people for doing something good. Um, we uh, do this every week. Um, it is held as a round robin where uh, the person who's running it will start and then continue through the list alphabetically, giving everyone a chance to give a hug report. Again, if you're lurking, we'll skip you. If you are text only, we'll read off your notes if there are any. And um, if you have a mic, you will unmute it at that point and read off your uh, hug reports. Um, the next section is status updates, which is a chance to talk about what you've done since the last meeting what you will do 
over the course of the next week until the next meeting. Um, it's also an opportunity for other members in the chat to give tips and tricks uh, in response to any questions you might have, um, any sort of uh, quick questions, that sort of thing um, can be handled in status updates. Um, and then the last section is in the weeds, which is where we take more long form discussions. Um, this is, uh, it can come out of status updates. If something in status updates seems like it's going to be a longer discussion, um, we will uh, we will move it to in the weeds, but you can also just have an in the weeds topic. If you have any topics, please add them to the notes during the meeting so we're not waiting around at the end to see if anyone has any topics. There's already one topic, um, which is excellent. And so when we get to it, I will turn it over to uh, the individual who added it to talk about it and we'll go from there and everyone can be involved in the in the weeds discussion and that covers how this meeting goes so with that uh, let's move on to community news uh, there's a summer of making hack club involving free hardware github is sponsoring fifty thousand dollars worth of hardware grants for student makers alongside support from adafruit and arduino for gear you can check that out on the adafruit blog or um, there is a link for hack club signups microsoft and github announced that they are making an online integrated development environment an ide such that students can get right to work in a web browser, avoiding software conflicts that might happen with code installs on their local machines. Code on a laptop or with a tablet, students won't be slowed down by their devices. They can get started quickly in the same coding environment so educators can teach instead of troubleshooting. Currently, integration includes MakeCode Arcade, which will likely receive Python programmability later this year as it is rolled out across the MakeCode family. And info on that is available on github.blog. Uh, the software, the Python Software Foundation has announced the first beta of Python 3.9, scheduled for production release in October. With release of the beta, all of the major changes of Python 3.9 are set. Python has been previously developed and released every 18 months. PEP 602 is accepted with the Python development team adopting an annual release cycle. The new Python timeline means 3.9 will ship in October 2020. 310 has officially started pre-alpha development on May 19th, 2020, and will enter alpha development phase when Python 3.9 ships and will ship October 2021. Future Python releases will follow the same pattern. And you can check out that um, on the link that was just posted. The Raspberry Pi Foundation has a weekly news newsletter where you can follow the latest news on the Pi platform. Some of the notes this week was that the 8 gigabyte Raspberry Pi 4 is now on sale. There is another Raspberry Pi OS update and a virtual tour of Raspberry Pi OS. Um, there's a project uh, where you can work from home on air light using CircuitPython and an Adafruit Circuit Playground Express. Uh, the PewPewM4 now comes in a kit, so you can get programming with the CircuitPython PewPewM4 kit. Um, learn how to make a Discord bot in Python uh, in this project on real Python. And that is a quick overview. Um, do you want more community news uh, or have a project or other Python on hardware related content to share? Check out the Python for Microcontrollers newsletter. Submit your content or view a preview on GitHub. <coughs> All right. And that is community news.
Next up is the state of CircuitPython, the libraries, and Blinka. This is a statistical overview of the entire project, as um, including the, the core of CircuitPython, the um, actual language, all of the CircuitPython libraries, and Blinka, our uh, compatibility layer um, for single board computers. So we will talk about the project overall, and then we'll talk about the individual bits separately. So overall, we had 28 pull requests mer merged by 20 authors, which is getting up there uh, with, with a record for us, I think. Um, I names I problem is I recognize some of you from, from Discord, so I don't know whether you're new to the to the submission thing here, but um, Kmatch98, Brad Chan, uh, DNS Software, I think those are the three names I don't recognize um, as as authors previously. Thank you so much for your you know for new submissions and eleven reviewers, which is excellent. Um, the more reviewers we have, the more authors we can support. So that's always great to see that number being so high. And we had twenty two closed issues by fourteen people and fifteen open by twelve people, meaning we are net down. Um, I do want to point out that that is those are great numbers based on how many people are opening and closing issues. Those are some of the highest numbers I think we've seen um, in terms of people being involved with issues, so that's really great. Uh, we, we like to see our issue list go down, but more importantly, we like to see more people involved. So even if that means more issues, it's always excellent to see that we had so many people involved. So overall, the latest unstable version is 5.4.0 beta 0, and things have been going really well with it. If you haven't tried it yet, please download it from circuitpython.org downloads and try it with your projects. Let us know if you run into any issues or if it's working for you. We're looking at releasing 5.4.0 beta 1 this week, which will have a number of updates, and we're always looking for more testing and feedback, so please give that a try as well once it's released. Um, it will also be available at circuitpython.org downloads. We're continuing to see new libraries. We've got plans to keep up with the issues list over the summer and get some of the bugs fixed and enhancements implemented. If you're looking to contribute to the CircuitPython project, the libraries are a great place to start. Check out open PRs and issues on circuitpython.org contributing. For PRs, take a look at it, test it if you have the hardware, and either way, leave a comment to let us know what you've done. For issues, find one that interests you and begin work on it. If you need assistance with Git and GitHub, we have a guide. Um, or we are always available on Discord and or GitHub uh, to help you out with that. We want you to contribute. We want you to be able to join up with us. So it's something that is important to us to do. So never hesitate to ask. Blinka continues to grow and see updates. Um, Melissa is currently working on Display I/O for Blinka. Um, the number of supported boards continues to increase, which brings CircuitPython libraries to more single board computers for the ease of CircuitPython on Linux. And that's where we are overall. So with that, I will turn it over to Scott to talk about the core. Awesome. Thank you, Katni. All right. For the core, uh, we had 10 pull requests merged uh, from 10 different authors, which is awesome. Uh, thank you to Ver Alfred, Weblate, Brad Chan, Bergdahl. I think all uh, did translations, I believe. 
And then uh, Dave Putz and Duckman are occasional contributors. So thanks to those folks as well. Uh, we had four reviewers. Uh, thanks again to our reviewers. We can't have lots of authors without lots of reviewers. So again, uh, if you want to help review, we'd love to have the help. Reach out to us. We'll, we'll get you ramped up. Uh, we have 14 open pull requests. Uh, a couple of those are a little bit old, but the remainder are brand new, which is great. Um, Issues-wise, we had six closed issues by two people and six opened by six people, uh, which is awesome. And we're net, net zero, which is great, uh, for a total of 303 open issues uh, with the link in the notes doc uh, to all of the uh, issue list there. Um, Milestone-wise, uh, Seven issues are not assigned a milestone, uh, even though at uh, this time last week, or was it Tuesday, uh, the last meeting we were down to zero again. So we're going to have to take a look at that as well and get some uh, milestones assigned to things. Uh, basically, it's a it's a proxy for whether we've triaged the issue or not. So we should do that. Um, and that's it for the core. All right. Thanks, Scott. Mm -hmm. Now we will go ahead and talk about the libraries. So on the libraries, we had 15 pull requests merged by eight authors. Um, I believe Flame Eyes is also newer. Uh, Jim Bob Bennett is newer in KMatch98. Um, so thank you to our newer people and thank you to everybody else who has been submitting for a while. And we had eight reviewers, which is fantastic. Uh, in terms of merged pull requests, the oldest was 17 days and the youngest is zero to one, um, leaving us with 25 open pull requests. Again, the oldest one of those is still being worked on slowly, so we are working with the original author to leave that open and continue to allow that to be worked on. Um, we had 13 issues closed by 12 people and eight open by six people, so we are net down leaving us with 162 open issues. All of this information is available on circuitpython.org contributing. So like I said, if you're interested in contributing, that is the place to start. Um, you'll find all the open PRs, all of the uh, open issues, and some library infrastructure issues. Um, all of the issues should have labels on them, so you can search them by label to find a good first issue if that's something you're into. Or if you want to try and fix a bug or add something new to a library, um, bugs and enhancements are available as well. Uh, in terms of library updates in the last seven days, we had one new library, the PM25. And um, we had a few uh, updated libraries, uh, the Azure IoT, IR Remote, ICM20X, Display Text, and LED Animation. Uh, and Blinka was updated as well. And that's it for the libraries. So I'll turn it over to Melissa to talk about Blinka. Hello. So Blinka is our circuit Python library compatibility layer for single board computers, such as the Raspberry Pi. And uh, this week we had three pull requests merged by three authors and three reviewers, leaving zero open pull requests, which is good. Uh, there were three closed issues by three people and one open by one person, leaving us net down. And that leaves 22 open issues left. Uh, there were 2,604 PyPI downloads in the last week, and we are currently supporting 50 boards. And that's it. That's excellent. Thank you, Melissa. Yeah. And that is the state of CircuitPython, the libraries, and Blinka.
Next up is hug reports and for hug reports, uh, as well as status updates, I'm going to turn it over to Jeff. Hello, and thank you, Katni. So uh, my hug reports are to our translation contributors. Weblate continues to be going well, and I just want to thank them for providing that stuff. And then a group hug for the whole community. We're going uh, in the US through some tough times right now. And um, I don't know, I just feel for people out there and their safety. Uh, so with that, I will hand it back to you, Katni. Thanks. All right, so I have a couple hug reports today. <clears throat> One is to Sedacious for helping me get started with a driver. Um, I ha It hadn't occurred to me to take about four steps back from where I thought I needed to start. And um, he helped me uh, sort of step that back quite a ways <laughs> to uh, a much better starting point. Um, and that was uh, greatly appreciated. And a hugger part to Crayola for continuing to work with the LD LED animation library. Uh, there were a couple outstanding bugs. Um, and not only did he fix those, he significantly simplified the code. Um, and slimmed it down and made it faster and continues to do so. So thank you very much for that. And a group hug to everyone. Um, to echo Jeff, uh, it's a bit rough at the moment and I think we all need a group hug. Um, and as well, a group hug to specifically our, our Discord community uh, for staying positive and supportive throughout everything. Um, it's not an easy thing to do and I think we're doing it quite well. So that's where I'm at. Thank you, Katni. Um, King or North is text only, so I'll read their notes. Hug to Adafruit for having some time to ship orders. Now I have a few new items. And group hug to all of people helping in Discord and having the patience to answer all of the questions with good decorum. And uh, KJW is noted as lurking some of the time, so if you have a hug report, um, we'll come back to you. Otherwise, I'll read notes from Kmatch98, who says, Hi, I'm Kevin from Round Rock in Austin, Texas, the CyberDot guy. have been watching y'all for a couple of years now, and now learning the ropes and trying to contribute something back to the community. Thanks, everyone, for the help and patience and helping me feel welcome. Special thanks to Foamy Guy for work on the label library. Thanks to Jepler for sanity check on label memory usage. And now, uh, Maker Melissa. Hello. Uh, I want to give a high report to Blitzity DIY for the Tinkerboard platform detect pull request. A high report to Foamy Guy for making requested changes right away to Learn Guy pull request and a group hug to everyone. And that's Thanks, it. Melissa. Uh, Mark is lurking, and Mr. Certainly is text only. Uh, they say, thank you to all of the community moderators for their hard work keeping the community a friendly and safe place for everyone. And uh, Summersoft, are you on the mic today? I am indeed. Hello. Hello. Uh, so I just have a group hug, mainly because I was uh, behind in preparing today and my brain is not helping. So just a group hug to everyone and stay safe and stay sane. Thanks. We'll try. Scott? Hello. Uh, 
first uh, hug report to code, Mark Olson in Discord for insisting I try the example code to fix the I squared C on the ESP32S2 during my stream last week. Uh, it was what got it working, which is awesome. Thank you. Thank you for hanging in on my stream and, and helping me out. Um, thank you to Mr. Certainly for being a constant positive presence in the Adafruit community, uh, always on streams and always in Discord helping folks, and I really appreciate that. And lastly, uh, thanks to Jerry uh, for helping Tack this morning uh, get CircuitPython building. It's really helpful uh, to both have a, a Linux user and somebody that's in a slightly better time zone to help Tack out rather than uh, me, which is a little bit tough. So thanks to Jerry for doing that. Thanks, Scott. Mm -hmm. And uh, now we've got Zoltan, V923Z. Oh, thanks, Jeff. Um, so I would like to, to hand out a hug uh, to Kevin Walters for finding and reporting a silly bug in Microlab. Um, I have one ha uh, hug for Jeff for sending the bug my way. <laughs> And especially for bringing the latest uh, uh, microlabs changes in line with, with CircuitPython, I would like to emphasize that um, despite my, my best efforts, uh, since I, I lack resources, it's still a lot of work. So the, the, the community should appreciate Jeff's contribution to, to microlab. And finally, but, but not le uh, least, I would like to hand out a hug to, to Dan for his insights um, on MicroPython, CircuitPython compatibility issues. And with that, back to you, Jeff. Thank you. It's time to head up to the top of the alphabet with Andrew Tribble. Yep, as I scroll back up here, um, I got one hug today for Tammy Makes Things. Um, I got one of these little uh, pulse oximeter sensors off Amazon that I'll talk about a little bit later. Um, and she's been kind of driving support for, or they have been driving support for uh, getting a library built for that. And I've been kind of pulling apart the Arduino library and seeing how many places there are, you know, how easy it is to convert over. So she's been adding me to that project. And then as always, group hug to all. Thank you. Anecdata and Ann B are lurking. So it's time for Brent. Hello, um, hug report to Jim Bennett for work on enhancing the Azure IoT guide and the library for CircuitPython. I'm really excited for that to come out, hopefully this week. Scott for ESP32-S2 work, I'm excited to use it. Um, I still have to order one. Uh, Jerry for the updated RFM 9X guide. Uh, Jerry for a few weeks was working on updating uh, the existing Adafruit uh, Lure libraries and they're really, really solid now. He added like very complicated advanced features and wrote new pages to update it. And they're really well written. There's like images of packet headers. It's really great. Um, and a group hug to the CircuitPython community as a whole. Thank you. Uh, Carter and Seagrover are lurking. Uh, so that brings us to Charles Burniford. <laughs> Well, I I would like to give a, a hug to uh, Tanup. Uh, I find it very interesting to watch his deep dives, and uh, I'm sort of hoping that you will get to the uh, get to the um, bus IOU art soon, so that we can bring up a MIDI library. Uh, okay, that's and a group hug to everybody else. 
for all the all the wonderful things that happen. Thank you, Charles. And good morning, Dan. Or I guess it's afternoon. Okay, yeah. Um, so thanks to to Kevin Walters, uh, who's been doing a lot of Circuit Python work recently and has been asking a lot of BLE questions and pointing out uh, issues with the documentation and inconsistencies and just doing being a really great user and finding problems and pointing out things. Thank you. Um, Thanks to uh, Roy Hooper Crayola for uh, fixing a pixel buff issue and working on some other library related stuff. So that's really rolling forward now. Thank you. Um, Zobs is working on all kinds of NRF stuff and we appreciate all those pull requests. Thank you. Uh, thanks to Zoltan for continuing to work on the really wonderful uh, ULAB library, which is an enormous addition to CircuitPython and MicroPython. Thank you. And finally, CamTom480, who's sort of the official maintainer of the Spresence ports, port, I think is starting to make sure that that uh, they're keeping up with um, our, our changes and making sure that the port continues to work. So thank you. All right. All right. Well, we've got a couple of lurkers, uh, but I have notes from David Gloud, who sends a group hug. And from Dew Wester, who says a massive hug in hopes that all our peeps are safe in these times. And that brings us to Foamy Guy. Right. Hello. Hi. Um, a couple of hugs this week. One for uh, June Bob Bennett. Uh, found an issue with the Display Text Library with a recent update. Um, they got that fixed with the PR um, to KMatch 98 for the, the text map. Um, sort of alternative to label uh, that uses less memory. It's got some trade-offs there, uh, but it's really neat, uh, neat idea and a cool way to do text labels. And then uh, lastly, to Maker Melissa for uh, doing a review on the uh, the tile map game code and offering some fixes and a couple other suggestions. Um, and then I will uh, just go ahead and echo as well a, a group hug uh, for everybody. Really enjoy the, the positive community. Thank you. And I've got notes from Geek Guy, who's text only, and sends a group hug. And uh, that means it's time for Hierofact. Um, so this week, uh, thanks to Mark Olson for um, helping me out with some uh, testing and verifying some issues that we had with the STM32F7 this week. Um, and uh, thanks to Arturo and uh, Tanut for their reviews on my uh, IMX reviews. Or PRs. So, yeah, a group hug to everyone else. Thank you. And with that, we have completed <laughs> hug reports, which I realize now I never told anybody how hug reports is done. So now that we've done that, I'll tell you how status updates are done. They're done in a round robin fashion, starting with uh, me and continuing in alphabetical order. Just take a few moments to uh, tell us, <laughs> if you like, what you've been up to last week what you hope to do this week. And uh, if you want to tell us something else that you're up to that's not directly related to CircuitPython. Could be, uh, I don't know, I hear we talk about laying tile or um, you know felling a forest of trees or what have you. So as soon as I've scrolled down to my notes, I will get us started. 
So uh, last week I got SDIO working on the STM32F405 Feather, although that's not in the PR yet. And I worked on a lot of little things that I didn't note down at the time, so uh, kind of lost to history. This week, uh, I need to figure out or hand off some trouble I had with the STM32 HAL delay and HAL get tick uh, functions. I think it has to do with the way that we've changed uh, how we do timekeeping not to use SysTick because that's what HAL get tick does. Uh, anyway, next, I need to get a start on SDIO on the SAMD51. Uh, this morning, I think I started and completed some uh, work on ULab, Microlab that I've been putting off. And it would be nice if I could get back to a PR about uh, having a linked list of background tasks. The main payoff of that is it lets it just be one uh, quick check for whether there are any background tasks at all. The problem is that to really take advantage of it, you have to add an interrupt handler for every kind of thing that is a background task to add itself to this linked list. So it ends up touching all the ports to really uh, make it work. Uh, so you, my extra, sorry, go ahead, When you Scott. get back to that, can you check yep. in with me? Because I'll probably end up doing it maybe next week. If you oh, OK. First. Yeah, I will talk to you before I pick that up. I, I'm cool. pretty sure SDIO is going to keep me busy um, just because with the STM32, I could leverage HAL. And with SAMD51, I can't. I'll really have to learn it at the register level. So. Okay. It will be a, a longer uh, step of SDIO rather than a shorter step because the second one is not any easier. Okay. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I just think we want to do the background task stuff of 454 is stable because it's so I, much worse. Yeah, I think that would be very helpful in getting, uh, getting the performance back that we got from the last kind of hacky do it once per millisecond thing. Exactly. Uh, yeah. This will be much better. And so, yeah, if you have any questions about that, we can sure talk in the weeds or just when you're ready to tackle it. Yeah, I think next week is probably a better time, but if you get yeah, to it before sure. it, that's fine. All right. Uh, and anyway, my fun stuff is uh, one of the valences on the blinds fell off, and it was some injection molded plastic that held up for, you know, 20 plus years. But uh, I modeled and printed a 3D replacement, so we'll just have to see how that goes. Not, uh, you know, I don't usually do 3D prints that have to have a lot of strength or stand up to a load over time. So it'll be interesting to see. In the middle of the night, there'll probably be a crash, and then I'll know it wasn't strong enough. Uh, and with that, what's up, Katni? All right. So I updated my notes from stuff and more stuff. I'm. <laughs> Good job. Yeah, proud of that. Um, so last week, uh, finished up the LED animations guide and blogged it. Um, hilariously, at least it was funny to me. It's probably not really actually that funny telling the story, but um, I was asked to add one thing to one page. And uh, when it was published, I showed off the guide to two people, both of whom independently uh, came back and told me that I should add that same one thing to that same one page, which I hadn't gotten around to. So that thing has been added. Um, and uh, that was good feedback, apparently, because <laughs> the first two people who did anything with the guide, both of them said, why is this missing? I didn't know what to do here. Um, there was more bug fixes for the LED animation library, um, which also uh, was tested on Raspberry Pi uh, and works after um, it was actually uh, Roy who discovered there was a bug in the setup.py for um, 
PyPI deployment. So there was just a space in the package name, so it couldn't be installed. Um, so we fixed all that, and now it runs on Raspberry Pi as well. So if uh, people want to do that, they can use the LED animation library on Raspberry Pi. Um, I recorded a tutorial for Microsoft, which took a lot longer than expected. Um, and I'm glad it's done. Um, and then started the CircuitPython AHTX0 driver for the AHT20 sensor. So this week is Library Monday, and then writing the AHT20 guide, I handed over the driver to Lady Ada to finish it more quickly because the product needs to go into the store this week. Um, and given that tomorrow is Newsletter Video Tuesday, um, I wasn't going to be able to get it done in time, so she's going to finish that. And then uh, I have finally Whatever Wednesday, um, mostly because uh, we haven't really decided what I'm doing next, um, because the list of stuff that I have to do already is, is the most important stuff. So I will find out on Wednesday what I am doing um, at that point for the rest of the week. And that's what I got. Thank you. King of North is text only uh, and says, last week did another live stream, this time on using I squared C using CircuitPython and Arduino on my YouTube channel, King or North. This week, getting a new show ready, topic to be determined, as well as trying out testing the boards I just got, the Clue, Feather, NRF52840 cents, and the Teensy 4.1. Um, and KJW, if you're not lurking, let us know. Otherwise, I'll read KMatch's notes. Uh, they say, created a text map library to reduce the memory usage to display text on LCD displays versus the current label library. It uses a bitmap buffer to draw the text rather than the collection of tile grids. It works with BDF loaded fonts, but no built-in font right now. Uh, now, markdown parser slash renderer in CircuitPython. The work on label and text map has been a rabbit hole when developing this. It's working now, but I want to add code blocks before sharing version 0.0001. Also supporting David Gloud for feature request for BLE keyboard input issue in place. Maybe discuss it in the weeds. Uh, other, exploring how to design print-in-place features for 3D printing. And uh, Maker Melissa, that brings us to you again. Hello. Bonnet demos. Uh, I added more boards to circuitpython.org and I reviewed some pull requests. Uh, I think I'm probably missing something here. Uh, anyway, this week uh, I'm working on writing an Arduino sketch for the BNO 055 so it works with the Web Serial 3D model viewer and then whatever else comes up because I'm not sure. And that's it. Did you huh? have display I.O. stuff last week, or was that all wrapped up uh, the prior week? Uh, if I've wrapped it up at the end of the prior week. Okay. I'm just still reeling from how awesome that is, so. Oh, it, thanks. You know, want to mention it again. Uh, thanks. Mark Gamblor is lurking, and so is Mark Olson, but I have notes from Mark. Last week, nothing to say really, had a slow week. This week, we'll get D-A-P-I-O finished, I think. Uh, Mr. Certainly is text only and has a non-circuit Python note, had an ESXi server crash last night on me, and spent some time restoring and rebuilding a handful of virtual machines. 
Having timely backups helped a lot. It makes the process much less frustrating. Uh, all right, we're ready for you, Summersoft. Hello again. Uh, so last week, um, with, uh, with regards to RosiePie, um, physicei.com lives. Um, it's actually my first public website ever. Uh, it's it's pretty barren, it, mainly because it only exists for seeing test results um, out of uh, uh, RosiePie tests. Um, but I do have a um, a mocked version that I will put up, um, so you can see what it it kind of looks like. Um, so that was kind of most of of last week, um, and then also so my my soft reset and the bootloader problems that I've been having for a while now um, have magically disappeared. Uh, I'm I'm assuming it was it was just a a kernel or a system driver bug, um, but I'm really just glad that it's over. So, and then uh, on the core, um, I spun up the issue came up with um, USB uh, vendor and product IDs duplicates. Uh, so I I spun up a quick checker for for CI. Um, it'll stay open for a while while we handle or the current duplicates are handled. Um, and then there's a PR in the cookie cutter uh, repo um, that FlameEyes had put in uh, to apply the reuse licensing stuff. Um, I started reviewing it um, and I attempted to figure out how to handle multiple copyrights in the SPDX format. Um, I couldn't find anything and then I got distracted with other things and forgot to go back to it. Um, so for this week, uh, Rosie Pie, just kind of back to moving forward. Um, this week, mostly, mostly, mostly will be focusing on getting the remaining repositories cleaned up, um, and then moved over to the Physics CI uh, organizational account in GitHub, and then uh, continue researching uh, switching to using PyTest as the test framework versus the one that I I rolled on my own and then try and finish that cookie cutter uh, reuse PR. And that's about all I got on the books. Thank you. Scott, what do you have for us? All right, I got two pictures. I'm going to post them so that people can download them. Uh, it may take a little while. Uh, first two things before I talk about the pictures. Uh, one, I got multiple ESP32S2 fixes checked in last week. Um, should be more reliable, which is good. And I got I2C working. Uh, that's still in my in my own branch. That's not checked in. Uh, this week, I want to complete Bus.io with I2C and UART and get a PR out for Bus.io. Um, the picture that I posted is an adapter between the Sala and the Feather um, that I ordered from Oshpark, and I assembled the first one this weekend. Basically gives you a Feather footprint uh, based on the Sala, along with the native USB, uh, JTAG connector, which I haven't tested, and a STEM and QT connector that I have not tested as well. But will uh, my plan is to uh, test this all uh, today and just make sure that um, those things work. I tested USB, which is the thing that I cared about the most. Um, I put a link in the notes doc if you want to order it. Um, if you want to assemble it yourself, let me know. 
uh, I can help you with that. I know Jerry already ordered it, which is exciting. Um, and I actually just shared it with Lamore in our internal meeting before this, and her response was, oh yeah, we should, should like, I'll make that. So we may actually sell some of these because uh, salas are, are available and more and more people are buying them. And then uh, last, lastly, I'm uh, planning on releasing beta one this week just uh, so that we can get all of the changes that have gone into master into a beta release. So that'll probably happen either later today or tomorrow. Um, so yeah, ESP32S2 all day, every day. Yeah. I haven't ordered one yet, but any one of these days I'm going to. I'm just curious, why did you use the stacking headers rather than... Uh, I don't um, have any regular headers. OK. I, I wasn't <laughs> sure if you wanted to probe everything or if it I, was that. That was I my second guess. I didn't cut them off because of that. Um, but I didn't, I don't, I just don't have uh, regular headers. <laughs> so I, so I use stacking headers, which is what I had. Yep. All right. That brings us around to the top of the alphabetical list with Andrew Tribble. Yep. Um, one second. Um, well, I seem to have lost my list here. Um, you want to do it from memory or would you like me to read it? Yeah, I can try to do a little bit of it from memory. Um, sure. so last week, I uh, was still working on the PyAlert weather radio project. Um, yes, it now has a name. It's not just the weather radio project anymore. Uh, nothing to report from the CircuitPython side, just a matter of uh, tying up some loose ends on the back end stuff. I'm setting up like a caching server so I don't uh, blow up the National Weather Service with uh, CircuitPython devices. Um, and then this week, uh, just continued development on that, and also, as I stated earlier, working on the uh, MAX30102 uh, pulse oximeter sensor. It's just a little uh, IR-based um, pulse oximeter. Uh, there's a couple different revisions of them by a bunch of different people. So far, there's no CircuitPython library for it. There's only an Arduino library developed by SparkFunds, so... Me and Tammy makes things, and it sounds like a couple other uh, individuals are starting to kind of unpack that library and see how we can go about converting it over to CircuitPython. So that's been a little bit of what I was doing last week and this week. Also, on the topic of fun things, I now have my 3D printer fully converted over to dual filament single nozzle. Turns out there was quite a bit of software to try to convert over um, both in the printer itself and then on the computer as well, as well as a couple engineering challenges trying to get all the brackets and everything set up um, to make the printer do something that it's not really designed to do. So that's been my uh, couple, last couple weeks. Cool. Um, if you have a picture of a successful dual filament print, I would love to see it. Yeah, uh, so I'm still setting up uh, Cura currently, so that should be coming hopefully this All right. We have a couple of lurkers, and that brings us around to Brent. Hello. Um, this last week, I worked on adding um, Phono 3G compatibility to the CircuitPython Phono library. Um, if you don't know, uh, 2G networks are getting sunsetted at the end of this year for the United States. So it's good to have a module that won't get sunset like Python 2. Um, there are different modules. They're actually physically larger, if you've played around with cell phone modules before, than 
2G GSM modules, but they're region specific. So you'd need to buy one for Europe or America, whereas 2G modules work wherever you deploy them. Um, I spent some time as well refactoring it behind the scenes to make it easier to write CircuitPython code and read CircuitPython code for these modules that seem to do everything. They can even do FTP. Um, I want to add voice. It shouldn't take me a long time, but I am taking a break from these to let this work soak and hack on other tasks. And that's about it. All right. Well, Carter and Seagrover are lurking, and that brings us to Charles. Do you have anything uh, to report this week? Uh, didn't get too much. I, I'm sort of, yeah, I'm waiting, number one, for my, my uh, ESP32-S2. And second of all, I've also, uh, and Tanu mentioned that he's going to try to get it done as the UART, so I can play around with uh, MIDI on the uh, ESP32-S2, try to build, uh, make sure the uh, MIDI library works so I can use it for some of my play toys because <laughs> um, it's got a lot more memory. Okay, that's all it. All right, sounds good. Dan, what do you have to report? Okay, um, so I'm continuing to work on um, sort of the Blinka uh, equivalent of underscore BLEIO for host computers using the Bleak. Uh, Python package, which runs on Mac OS, Linux, and Windows. And as I mentioned last week, I got scanning working. It's a little, I cleaned up the code some. It's still not working on Mac OS. There's a problem inside the Bleak library and I have an issue open about that. And I'll have a, I hope to have a simple example of um, Bleak acting as a central uh, and talking to some other Bluetooth device in a few days because I'm flushing out the rest of the code right now. Uh, Bleak only does central. It can't act as a peripheral. That's not implemented. So, But that's the majority of the cases where we usually want to talk to other peripheral devices. And finally, um, this is not really CircuitPython, but uh, I've had a lot of trouble trying to write fuses on various uh, boards with SAMD, SAMD21 especially, and I was really confused by this. And after a long go around with um, one of the Sager customer support people, it turns out that if you ask to write a value into Flash, it doesn't necessarily do it right away. Uh, it says it did it, and if you read it back, you'll see it, but it's actually caching the value, and it only writes it out if you do something like single step the processor or exit cleanly from the program. So I was writing fuses, and then I would unplug the board and plug it back in, and the fuse values weren't written, and that's because it didn't actually write them. It's trying to conserve writes. It's trying to conserve um, writes and make it faster, but it's pretty obscure and it's not documented. So I I will write this up eventually so other people can know it also. Okay, that's it. I hope you didn't lose a whole lot of time to that. Oh, about five or six hours. Oh. <laughs> I mean, over a period of months. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Dave P is lurking and David Gloud is lurking, but I have notes from uh, David. He says last week, clue bit two pi plus kibo mini equals mini custom USB keyboard. And I'll paste these links in just a second. And BLE Kibo Mini, same as above, but wireless. Oh, is somebody else getting them? 
anonymous hedgehog is going to paste those in, so never fear. Is it my, is it my turn? And do you hear me? Oh yes. Um, oh, okay. I'm sorry. The note said that you were lurking. So please go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, maybe I've got something in the weeds, so I wanted to test the microphone too. Um, so this week I've been playing again with my Bit2P, which is um, an adapter to connect the clue to uh, Raspberry Pi hat or bonnet or whatever the name. And uh, this week I've been playing with the Kibo Mini um, because John Park was playing with the bigger Kibo and made some code available. I think the learn guide is not there yet, but I'm lurking also on the GitHub. So I made a USB keyboard uh, with those three keys and you can send the keys to your computer. And then I made a BLE keyboard um, also with those three keys. And that's about um, the thing I've done. And in the weeds, I would like to discuss um, how to make the CyberDuck better and how to make a CircuitPython computer, um, which will maybe be a discussion about BLE keyboard inputs um, with Dan. All right. Well, thank you. And it's nice to hear from you. So that uh, next up is Du Wester, who uh, is lurking. So uh, Du Wester got a new Pi 4B with eight gigabytes of RAM and a 64-bit operating system. Yay! And tried out uh, on Pi 4, four gigabytes and eight gigabytes. It is snappy. Tried out NinjaFlex on an Ender 3 Pro with so-so results. And uh, they ask the general question, any issues or expected issues with Blinka and 64-bit OS for Raspberry Pis? And Melissa, do you have a few words to say about that? Or shall we uh, just leave it for later? Uh, sorry, I just kind of got back here. What did you say? Uh... OK, uh, in Do Wester's uh, status updates, they say, any expected issues with Blinka and 64-bit OS for Raspberry Pi? It's untested. It's untested. All right, so Do Wester will let us know. And that brings us to Foamy Guy. All right, hello. Um, for last week, uh, lots of testing of display text, a um, couple of different PRs for the existing library, and then I played some with KMesh's new uh, bitmap style labels. Um, and then I'm also going to work on that a little bit more uh, this uh, upcoming week to create a couple more examples for that. Um, some other stuff I did last week, though, was uh, for work. Uh, we're working on a sort of hand sanitizer kiosk type situation where it's got a, a screen that you really don't touch very much, um, but it does dispense some hand sanitizer below that. Um, and part of the thing that it needs to be able to do is scan like employee badges. So um, as a mock-up, I actually used one of the uh, RFID scanners in CircuitPython to set that up um, and had it plugged into the kiosk. It was kind of fun. And then uh, a few more was the um, 16 by 8 LED matrices, uh, all the little um, LED matrices. I have a featherwing one, but there's a couple other form factors. Uh, I made some eyes and uh, with a couple of different animations like blinking and a few others. Um, and I want to work on that a little bit more next week as well. Um, and then the, the last thing for last week was just um, fixes and improvements uh, on the tile map game from the PR there. Um, and then for next 
next week, uh, a couple of the ones I mentioned, and then um, some that I haven't yet uh, mentioned was uh, going to be looking into TensorFlow Lite on uh, on the Edge Badge is what I have looked so far, but they have like um, the yes/no uh, word example, and I want to look into using a um, external microphone there um, and possibly use that with the uh, with the hand sanitizer kiosk as a way to input to that uh, without touching it. Obviously, that's going to be a, a good thing for that. Um, and then I am starting to work on a, a desktop clock, a pretty basic project, just going to you know, show the time, maybe a couple other messages or something like that, but I'm kind of planning out the, the print and the circuit um, this upcoming week. And then the last one is uh, I need to uh, verify and then uh, document perhaps open an issue for uh, something I found with Ugame. I think the buttons might be flipped around on um, on the PyBadge device compared to some of the other devices. So I need to nail that down uh, and go ahead and get an issue created for it. But that's all I got. All right. Well, I have some notes from Geek Guy, who is text only. Last week, closed my PR to add the Udo Bolt to Blinka because I think SysFS is not enabled in the kernel. And this week, working on multi-display support for the HT16K33 library. And uh, that brings us to HireEffect, who gets to round out the group. Um, this past week, I was working on IMXRT stuff, uh, doing my best to break things, and... Uh, uh, for once, it was, it was it's good that I wasn't very successful. Um, it was we didn't end up having a lot of uh, problems across the port. The ones that I did find uh, were really pretty easy to fix. So um, got some good verification that uh, the IMXRT port works pretty well across bus I/O, digital I/O, analog I/O, etc., etc. Um, uh, let's see. This week, uh, I'm going to be working, moving back a little bit to STM32 rather than the IMX port, um, just because uh, we've had a number of things kind of crop up recently, uh, some of which are pretty serious uh, issues um, on some of the less used boards, like the Discoveries and the Nucleos, um, which are kind of the native boards that are distributed by ST. Uh, they're a little bit less common in the community than things like um, the Feathers, but uh, they're still important to uh, support. So I'm going to be revisiting kind of how low power stuff is managed on the STM32 as there's some kind of serious issues that can crop up, um, especially on the H7 and F7 ST dev boards uh, that keep them from booting, which is no good. Um, and uh, along with that, I'll probably also be visiting a timer, uh, a new timer allocator for the STM32 so that uh, PWM and Pulse.io can be enabled on some of the other really common STM32 kind of low-end boards, the ones that are, um, and uh, and taking a look at RGB matrix on STM32, which I've been meaning to do for a while. Um, I do get back to IMXRT. It's going to be uh, to tackle Pulse.io, um, getting out the pulse in, pulse out, um, which I did not too long ago on the STM32, so hopefully that should be uh, pretty quick. But for now, just want to tackle the crashes. Uh, that's it for me. Thank you. That brings us to the end of status updates. And now it's time for In the Weeds, where we can take a little longer to discuss um, issues that don't fit within the format of hug reports or status updates. So if you've got a topic, please add it to the document. And I will just run them from top to bottom 
starting with uh, Zoltan, you have uh, an issue. If you're ready to go, I'll let you introduce it. Uh, thanks, Jeff. So I, I think I would like to address the question to, to Scott because uh, he is the most passionate passionate about it. Um, and it goes back to this uh, issue about branding, um, which is listed in um, this document that I've just linked. Um, so the question I, I actually would like to ask is what happens or what, what should happen with branding if um, if you create a board that, uh, for example, doesn't have um, a USB connector, which is, according to the document, mandated. Um, so if, if you would like to do something like this um, for the NRF um, 52840, which is uh, an SMD only uh, without any exposed pads, um, so that means that if you don't have a reflow oven, then then you are basically you don't don't stand a chance. Um, so if if I wanted to 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 make a, a breakout board for that, which looks something like this, is um, uh, circuit brains deluxe. Um, and if I wanted to install or or uh, upload a, a circuit Python firmware onto this. Uh, NRF chip. Um, may I still call it Circuit Python, or you rather I didn't? That's a good question. I hadn't really thought about this case where the board by itself is not that useful. Um, it depends on how you define usefulness. So the, 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 really, the problem with um, uh, okay. Um, there are two issues here. The, uh, for example, the Adafruit feather exposes some pins of right. the NRF, but that's only a fraction. Right. On the other hand, it has a USB connector, so your criterion is is, is satisfied. Right. But uh, still, the the point is, if if you if you need more pins, then the the um, Adafruit feather is is a no go, and I think. Uh, most of the of the similar boards suffer from it, this issue that that they they expose um, I don't know uh, fifteen perhaps twenty out of the sixty uh, I/O pins um, right. and that's a waste of resources in a way. Yep. Well, so we do I support the dev kit board, the PCA one hundred fifty six. So there's no the number of pins doesn't really matter as long as the board. There's a board definition that's in the Adafruit CircuitPython repo. That seems fine. If you'd like to submit a port to such a board, then it would okay, be CircuitPython. That, that, that's fine, but it would still miss the um, the USB connector. I, I think, you, but it's USB is possible. And if somebody wanted to use this in a CircuitPython way, all they have to do is wire up a USB right. connector. Yeah. Right. 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 Uh, uh, I, I was just asking because this this uh, branding document uh, uh, explicitly mentions the USB plug, uh, which should appear as a circuit Python drive when plugged in. And obviously, if you don't have that, then it it's not going to appear as anything. So, <laughs> um, but but then, can I take uh, can I can I interpret uh, Dan's words as such that as long as as the USB port is exposed. Mm, okay. Okay. 
Right. Did that mute it for everybody? <laughs> yeah. So right. as long as these 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 pins are exposed, then then it's fine with you. If it's yeah, cold, I think so. I am like this gets into the like like FCC certification stuff has this as well. Like, does does it stand a, as it's on its own as a product, or does it really like is it designed to be integrated into something else? Okay. Um, like this board, like I would expect it to be mounted to another PCB, and in order for that PCB's worth of product to count as CircuitPython, like I would want USB to be accessible. Mm -hmm. But for CircuitBrain's Deluxe on its own, like I don't. As but long it has as a there, name. it has a different name, I, and I, I think it's 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 on purpose. Um, okay. But 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 I I wouldn't like to do that. So that's that's my my. Uh, Actually, it's not a question. That's a that's a plea in in, in a way that uh, I would like to call it Circuit Python for for many reasons, but but I also understand if you if you say that that's um, that's beyond the pale uh, because well I think I like I touch. like users should have access to Circuit Python drive. Like that is a core piece of what Circuit Python is and the branding is. But okay. if, if it's possible, it's not necessarily. It might be that they run it without. Right. So yeah. actually, uh, uh, Jeff pointed this out, and this this is really the the state of the matter that the um, this board exposes these two pins, the uh, right. D minus and D plus pins. It's just such that it doesn't have a, a USB connector. Mm -hmm. but, but since your document specifically mentions the USB connector. Um, I, I think I, I should clarify this question before jumping off the deep end. Um, so, um, if, if if you say it's 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 okay if I call it Circuit Python, that's fine with me. If you say you you wouldn't like that, that's also fine with me. I just I just have to know. That's that's all. I, I guess I think the module, like in the sense of the Circuit Brains Deluxe, doesn't have enough context to know whether it's actually the case or not. I kind of like okay. annotate his idea of CircuitPython ready. Like somebody can use that module as something to create a CircuitPython board. And they could okay. use, but if we had, if we had a port, if we had such a board in the NRF, in the ports NRF thing, then you could say, oh, this is like a module. And it's all you have to do is load, you know, you could attach, you can connect it up any way you want, mm -hmm. you know, it's a castellated board and you, or whatever. Right. Right. Then I don't Just see I... anything wrong with calling it Circuit Python because it's available. Okay. I, I but... mean, if if we have you know we have these like these um, the board there there are many circumstances where a board not might not be used with a USB port connected all the time. It's just that I mean, uh, are you? I, would you would you like remove the USB code or something like that? I don't think you would do that. So no, no, I think no, it's I, potential. I, yeah, actually, it, it, I, I think it, it concerns the placement of. So if you take the Adafruit feather, then then the the position of the USB connector is fixed. You you can't really do anything about it. Mm -hmm. And yeah. on, on on a on a board with with uh, space constraints, that's that's a problem. Um, right. Um, so. Um, if, if on the other hand you have such a module uh, where you where you 
can solder this piece of, of uh, PCB on your uh, motherboard or whatever you would call it, right. and you place the USB connector wherever you want, then right. then I, I wouldn't want to to uh, discard or remove the USB connector. That's that, that's really a question of, of flexibility, I would say, and um, I, I'm I'm really open to to um, to submit. Uh, um, what what did you call it a pin uh, pin uh, definition file? That's, mm -hmm. that's perfectly fine with me. I, I I would actually love to do that. Um, I'm not so far ahead yet, but um, um, still I wanted to to clarify this this issue before before um, jumping to conclusions uh, as to whether I can use Circuit Python as 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 a name or 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 not. And I guess the secondary question is whether there's something without a whether we would submit something without a USB connector to be submitted as a board on the CircuitPython master branch. We already have those I think, boards. I think I think, yeah. I think it's not going to change too much because this is an NRF. Uh, so this this is really nothing else but the uh, but exposing the pins, all the pins of the NRF module. Uh, which you can, which you already have on the on the Adafruit Feather. That's the uh, MDBT50, I think. Uh, but it has 60 I/O pins, and only 18 are exposed on the Feather. So yeah. I, I'm not not going to change anything in a sense. I'm I'm just going to add 40 more pins. Right, and I would just say there is such a board already. We already have a board definition for the development kit board from Nordic. Mm -hmm. So it has pretty much all the pins. It's not the module, okay. but it's, right. we have a board with, with um, nearly all the pins. I think okay. that, that, that board exposes all the pins because it's a development kit. So, okay. right. so that's, that's, you could use that as a starting point and maybe okay. renumber sounds them or great. something. Yeah. Okay. Sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, think uh, yeah, please go ahead. I think that is. I think there's two parts to this discussion. And I think in terms of just in general pin availability, we should always, when we do ports, we should, our goal should be to support all pins on a micro, even if boards don't break them out so that boards can, when they create their mapping, can, can have it just work. Mm -hmm. um, I actually just replied to somebody in the Teensy forums about Teensy 4.1 and adding support for those pins. And it's like, oh, it's easy. <laughs> like We just add a mapping and it should just work. So. I think the bigger question is the USB experience um, mm -hmm. and developing boards where you're expecting them to be used in conjunction with other boards. Um, and an interesting case for this is actually the ESP32-S2 Salas, which have USB, but it's not connected to the native USB. Okay. Um, and that I think that's in, exactly you know, like this corner case that you're talking about where the native USB is exposed, but it's not actually like easily accessible through a connector okay um, but actually I, I can i can make the the question a bit harder for you <laughs> i could <laughs> sorry so i could add um a usb connector to it a usb connector that you can break off <laughs> and, and then um your condition is satisfied and if you if you are constrained with space then then you just break it off I, I, yeah, I don't, but I don't think you have to go to that effort. Okay. Uh, I mean, we already have, we already support the PCA 10059, which has a break off 
USB connector. Mm -hmm. So um, I would just say again that I think that I wouldn't read too much legalism into what Scott wrote. I think he wrote it as he's trying to describe his experience. Would you say that for God? I mean, if for instance, if as David Glaub said, for instance, suppose we eventually made a board that didn't have USB, but you had the same functionality available through Bluetooth mm -hmm. or only wirelessly or something like that, then right. I think we might revisit that decision, that okay. statement of policy. So. But actually, uh, yeah, but that, that's a good point because um, I, I don't know whether the um, um, uh, bootloader currently supports that, uh, but you could you could actually change the firmware over the air. Right. You yeah. Don't need, yeah. Right. So uh, I don't know if it's supported at the moment, but um, in that case, you definitely don't need a USB connector. Okay, well, um, yeah. I think that was my question. Um, so I, I, I would just like to hand it over to the next person. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Thanks yeah. a lot. I think I think that the it's important to reiterate the intent. The intent is that when somebody gets a board that supports CircuitPython, they can use it like other boards that support CircuitPython, right? And right. we've seen people, especially with the ESP8266 support we used to have, be like, I got this Feather Huzzah, why doesn't it show up as a CircuitPy drive? Mm -hmm. So it's got to be that like, if you're advertising your board, and I think surface mount boards are an exception, and we can add this to the branding section. Um, maybe I'll, I'll put a PR out and get your feedback on that. But I think that like in its final form, the board should be able to, be, like, it should be used as a CircuitPython board, which means there should be a USB connector on the board as a whole that people plug in and can edit their code with. Um, I'd love to get to a point where BLE is kind of as well known as USB is in terms of workflow, but we're not there yet. Mm -hmm. um, if you want to help me work on that, I would love to. I think that's something that we've misprioritized uh, for a long time uh, okay. because it's such a high, it's an amorphous thing that nobody's kind of shown or demonstrated the, the power of. Um, so I think we'll get there, but I don't think in the current state of CircuitPython, I don't think we can assume that like BLE only is is CircuitPython proper. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, um, as I said, I am not done with this yet. Um, I, I would I would just suggest at this, this point that uh, once I have a, a working concept, I, I would bring up the question once more yeah, and then, then we can we can discuss discuss it with with uh, concrete details yeah okay. awesome awesome okay thanks a lot hey sultan before you go yes uh, i'm still here i just had a thought what would what would happen if you put uh, like a lot of motherboards on pcs do put a set of pins that you could plug and a, a uh, external connector to that wouldn't take up very much room and you could still have the usb connector if you want somebody could still put the usb connector on the on your board mm -hmm. with the big without a big hassle Right, I, I think that's that's a definitely a, a, an option, and uh, I I actually consider that I, I would like to get rid of the USB 
connector as such, but but I, I'm not. I, I, so it shouldn't be a showstopper. If if you if you insist, if if Scott insists that it it should be on, then it will be on. That's that's absolutely no problem. Um, I would like to get rid of it, but uh, your your suggestion uh, was I, I think quite quite interesting, and and uh, perhaps that's the way to go. Um, I just posted a link to a. Uh breakout board for a USB micro B. I think I think that there might be some utility in coming up with some term or some mention in the documentation for boards that where you can use a separate breakout for USB. Um because just from an STM32 perspective, most nucleo boards for all of the low-end STM32s, for instance, which are fairly popular boards, don't have any USB natively like you have to plug it in over some pins but it works fine if you do that so mm-hmm. that's that's just an additional product line that would be able okay. to be supported mm-hmm. um but it, yeah. yeah it is tricky because you need to go on adafruit people need to be warned they would need to be warned you have to go right. on adafruit or some other site and buy it's a totally separate thing before you can actually use circle python in the traditional way mm-hmm I mean, that's okay. exactly like this Salo adapter I just created, like is exactly that for the Salos. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I'm curious to see what you're working on, Zoltan, because it is something I've thought a lot about as well. Well, I, I, I can I can tell, tell you in, in two sentences. I, I, I think the um, NRF chip is, is really great. Um, especially that, um, as opposed to the um, ESP32, um, the the code is native, so it's not a task, not not a, a free art was a task, which mm-hmm. which has its own benefits. But on the other hand, it's it's totally inaccessible for for a hobbyist. Uh, so if, if if you don't have the tools, then then, then it's hopeless. Mm-hmm. And um, um, I, I would, wanted to test uh, things with that, and I, I realized that I, I would need a, uh, an adapter board or something like that, uh, mm-hmm. a, a carrier board. Uh, yeah. But but if I do that, then I, I could just could just uh, uh, publish it or, or uh, make it make it uh, available to everyone. It's just, um, mm-hmm. It doesn't doesn't make sense to keep it to myself if if it works. Right. Cool. Look forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Okay, and we have a second in the weeds topic from David Gloud and Kmatch98. Um, so I will let you take it away, David. Okay, so um, so I discovered a cyber, which is a self-contained computer with a screen and a way to plug a USB keyboard. And you can talk the REPL and you can edit file and you can run them in CircuitPython. And it's a bit similar to a Lisp computer or fourth computer from the past, where there was no operating system and it was just a computer and a language, and you could run um, code from there. Um, so, and I've been working on um, USB host input. Uh, you know there is the Stargirl hostess feathering Mm-hmm. And and prior to that, there was a, and that, that's using SPI, and it only exists with R for the moment. Um, but there was before that a USB host coprocessor from GD Sport, which is working in serial, so UART. 
And I've been mm -hmm. doing keyboard input in um, USB, talking Bluetooth or talking USB on the other side and that kind of stuff. So I was very interested into that CyberDuck and I found out that we are missing um, BLE input uh, for keyboard. Mm -hmm. So I can do BLE out, I can do USB in, I can do USB out, but I cannot do BLE in. And there mm -hmm. was a demo code, but it's completely uh, commented out uh, since they were changing BLE um, stack. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking for any ways to help um, that kind of CyberDuck stuff. So this could be a BLE input, so that way we don't need to hack stuff and we could take a, a clue and a Bluetooth keyboard and we have a computer. Mm -hmm. basically, with, with a bit of code from uh, Kmatch98. And there is also that idea of um, could we have another input into the console or, or the Ripple? Because mm -hmm. today, I think you can only get in through the USB serial. Mm -hmm. um, but maybe if it was UART or if it there was another way to plug into there. Um, okay, so I don't know, maybe Dan can discuss about the BLE HID input to see. So I'm trying to remember. So Scott, like before we switched to your API, mm -hmm. I had written some HID, BLE HID code. I don't remember if it was just peripheral or I started working on the host side. It, it, there was a central code, but I don't know if if it ever I worked. I can't remember whether I got it to work or Scott got it to work and then it changed or whether we never. But I, I started working on it and then I realized there was a lot to make it work than I thought. And so I stopped. Um, this is like last week. So Scott, do you remember the circumstances? I, I don't know if it ever worked. I never tried it. I think one of the challenges is actually coming up with the the host side of those APIs. Yeah. Um, like they, the CircuitPython HID library itself is definitely geared towards being the device. Um, so I think there's some work. That's probably the biggest set of work. I think getting the data from a, a BLE, BLE keyboard, which I should also point out that a lot of the Bluetooth keyboards you see are not BLE. So be very wary of that. Uh, basically, if the branding, I don't know what it is in French, but in in English, it's BLE smart. If 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 you're our Bluetooth smart, like if your keyboard's not Bluetooth smart, that means it's not actually BLE. And a lot, at least in the U.S. here, a lot of the Bluetooth keyboards that are sold are still Bluetooth, not BLE. Um, which is, I think, one reason that it's actually less interesting than you may think is because a lot of the Bluetooth keyboards people have won't actually work uh, because they're like Bluetooth 3. Um, so I think uh, beware of that. That doesn't mean we shouldn't add support for BLE HID. Um, it would be cool, I think. The other question I have is also, do you really need, do you really need input at the level of like core CircuitPython or is it adequate enough to have your circuit Python code communicating to something um, and taking a second a second set of inputs. For example, with the USB serial or with the UART, like you from circuit Python code.py can do all of the UART stuff that you want. 
um, what is it that you need or why do you need that your input to go into CircuitPython proper um, is a question yeah. I have. Yeah, I don't know if Kmatch98 is there because he made the Cyberduck and I did not replicate yet. Uh, despite yeah, the fact that I've got the hardware now. <laughs> right. So, so Scott, yeah, I'm, I'm less familiar with doing it in the CircuitPython higher level code. Can you, basically, can you save having a separate board with the still using UART input? Uh, I'm not sure what not, you're not if you're Not if you're using a USB keyboard. Okay, no, I'm saying with the BLE input, you, you mentioned getting data from not core but some higher level code through BLE. Right, right. so um, like we should have all the BLE stuff in place to like send packets to and, and connect to a BLE keyboard. Like that should all be there, but that won't allow you to do things like control C or code.py because like the CircuitPython code itself is not like inspecting the characters that are being sent across. Um, so it's like not quite as good as like native USB serial because of that. Okay. Um, I, I'll speak for myself and, I, and David may disagree, but if I could, you know, actually get keyboard input from BLE, which again, I, for the code that I saw that Dan had there, didn't mm -hmm. look like you could read the reports. You could send re reports as a, uh, right. I guess acting like a peripheral, but I didn't see the hooks for reading the reports in. Yep. But, it, yeah. but if you can do it at a high level, you could intercept it, right? And just like I did with the UART, uh, if you could get them in, then you could figure out how you deal with them. Even if they don't go straight to REPL, you could find ways around that. Yeah, so I think I, I think that's the missing piece that you're getting at, is like we don't have the HID library, we don't have the BLE library tested to be able to receive reports and parse yeah. them. Yeah, exactly. If that was there, I think that would be a minimum feature set that could be useful right i don't think it's i think all of the the core work is in place for that i think you could do that from the python side right now um to to figure it out like connect to the peripheral and start to receive like subscribe to the characteristic and get the re reports back i think that's all okay. doable from python with what we have in the BLE library Okay. I took a little bit of look at those libraries and I sent a note to Dan and he said there's more there than, you know, it wasn't a quick fix. And I, I don't know if I'm up for figuring all that out based on my knowledge, but I'd be willing to help out if there's something you could point in the direction to look. Yeah, I think the problem was the, the BLE part of the HID, the BLE HID library really was not, was missing a large chunk of functionality Okay. for the host side. And so I first I thought I could do just the, the characteristics weren't defined right or something. There was something wrong. Hmm. I can't remember what it was, but I remember it was you that I had that conversation yeah. it for yeah. like 20 minutes. And it was like, oh, this is not going to work. So I can't remember Heck. why now. <laughs> so okay. Yeah. And I got a few f libraries in and couldn't I got lost. So I, I couldn't decipher exactly what was going on yeah, knowing the yeah. reports it there didn't seem like a way of getting hooks into the re reports getting input from them right right i want to help yeah. out if you guys could point in you know i, I uh, can't remember you... what i said whether i gave i just said it doesn't work or i gave some other yeah I added it, yeah. it's in it's in the issue if you want to, yeah uh, okay yeah you pasted it in so i'll look at yeah right i just 
Right. I thought it was like, I'll just make this work. And I was like, oh, I can't. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Ping me on the issue again, and I'll try to look later today and give some more guidance on which direction to go. Because like, if I the way that I'm imagining it, and, and maybe we did this already, or maybe we should, but like, it should use packet buffer so that when you subscribe, you receive all of the report packets in. And then it's just a matter of how you parse the reports. Um, yeah, I, I would like to know what Stargirl already did as a software piece to understand the Ashidi message. But so, um, what, what, what I did is just to copy and paste the, the message I get from Serial to BLE or to USB. And it's by magic, the same API works. And apparently it was not only Dan, it was you too. Um, so, but um, yeah, then I wanted to dig into, okay, I need to decode. I need to see what is happening there so that I could change the keyboard like from QWERTY to AZERTY or something like that. There, there is code not published yet, but I think Stargirl has something. Well, I don't think Stargirl is working on HID. I think she's doing MIDI. Yeah, she's more interested in MIDI, I know. Um, and she's been using <laughs> ASF, not tiny USB, which I've been bugging her about, but she hasn't done it. Because like for CircuitPython, I'd like us to do host through um, tiny USB. Which is, would be awesome to do. I would love to support like, oh, that same micro B, if you plug in a USB keyboard with an OTG cable, like you get USB input instead. Um, which you can also do right now with PS2 keyboards if you have one of those. <laughs> we actually do have PS2 support already. Okay, right. well, okay. I, I, so I looked at, at the issue. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at the issue and it was, I said like, yeah, the problem was that there was no buffering on the report characteristic. Mm -hmm. So there there was no FIFO mm -hmm. originally. That's that's what the problem was. And it wasn't clear, like I thought I would add a packet buffer, but it wasn't clear it was going to work right or something. I can't remember. Mm -hmm. And there, it was just, the code was written really early in right. the rewrite, Scott. So it, it was missing some things that are now easier to do. Right. Part of the rewrite was making our Beely libraries more symmetric, right? Like yeah. you declare reports once and you design them so they work both directions as clients and peripherals or clients and servers. Clients and servers. Yeah. Right. And BLE HID is actually a real real stress test of a BLE library because yeah. it has so many characteristics. And, and, and so the characteristics characters. have descriptors to tell you yeah. which report it is. Yeah. There was some... There were a lot. There were a lot of things missing, and I don't remember. But the reports themselves are the same format as USB HID. Yeah. All right. Um, so yeah, it's a cool idea, <laughs> and we should work on getting better support for it. But it's just the weeds. <laughs> okay. Yeah. If there's anything I can do to help, again, as a as a newbie here uh, at Program Circuit Python, let me know. Even if it's just running, testing some examples. And all the stuff I do is basically taking example code from library, from John Park, from Learn Guide, and then play right. with them. I never invented something <laughs> from scratch, let's say. Yeah, and um, I think that's 
I think that's what we're getting at here is like the the difference between those of us who are paid by Adafruit and had been doing it full time for the last three years, uh, and the volunteer what the volunteer efforts could do and um, prioritization of those two things as well. Because like like I said, like when I started looking in BLE HID, like I actually had trouble buying a blue a BLE keyboard, like it was not easy to actually find a BLE keyboard. And I think that really turned me off of like the, the prioritization of supporting that stuff. Um, it's yeah. more common to see mice than it is to see keyboards that are BLE. Like even, even looking through like the new, the current Logitech keyboard line, like a lot of those are still BLE Bluetooth three. They're not BLE. Yeah. Like the Apple Magic Keyboard is Bluey as well, or Bluetooth as well. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Thank thanks. you both. Yep. yep. Thanks. Sounds good. So with that, uh, I think it is time to wrap up. This has been the Circuit Python Weekly for June first, twenty twenty. The recording of this will be posted to YouTube and podcast services, as well as a notes document available on GitHub and in the notes of the YouTube video as well. Um, if you are interested in chatting with us all week, you can join us on the Adafruit Discord at adafru.it slash discord. We are in the CircuitPython channel all week, um, and if you are looking for help, there's the Help with CircuitPython channel as well. And with that, thanks everyone for participating and stay safe and stay sane through all of the stuff that everyone is going through right now. Um, and we hope to see you again next week. Thanks everyone. Thank you, Katni. Uh,